Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Come on, how are we doing tonight? Everyone good? Look at it, it's like stage extension. This is a preacher's dream. Just right here in the mix of all of it. Man, I love Revival Wednesday. Do you love the atmosphere? That's here, Revival Wednesdays, man. We're honored to have you. If you have your Bible, let's go ahead and get it out, get it open to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're gonna get there in just a second, man. And I'm so honored, so glad to have Pastor Stovall and Carrie with us. They came back from uh, the family wedding and they're back in the house. And uh, I love our senior pastors and I'm so honored that they give guys like me an opportunity to share, especially in, uh, in, in such a prime time. Uh, Revival Wednesday type atmosphere, and I'm excited. Come on, we've already been singing that a miracle can happen. Do you believe it? Was it was it not just words to you, but was it in your heart and in your spirit? Amen. I believe it, and I believe God's going to do something tonight. And uh, I want to share just for a little bit. We're, we're not going to be here forever because I know we'll probably do some altar ministry time here at the end. But I want to share out of First Samuel chapter 17. Um, around the story of David and Goliath. Why David and Goliath? Well, it, it's been with me recently because I have a three-year-old and we read the same Bible story every single night right now. And it just happens to be David and Goliath. And so he is a theologian at three and a half. Um, and so as I read it over and over with my wife at night, I'm just like, this really is a good story. This has got a lot of good stuff in it. And so, uh, so we're gonna take a look at that and hopefully... It'll bless you uh, tonight. So before I start reading, let me give you some background information right here. So um, the nation uh, of, of the Philistines, they've come to fight the Israelites and they brought with them a giant named Goliath and scholars would estimate that he is anywhere between nine and about 11 and 12 foot tall, anywhere in there. And Goliath is constantly taunting the Israelite army and the people of God. And what happens is for 40 days and for 40 nights, there's a standstill. You need to picture this. Israel is on one mountain. The Philistines are on another. And for 40 days and 40 nights, no one moves because no one wants to come into the valley and give up the high ground. It's not good battle tactics. So everyone's just standing there. Meanwhile, this giant is taunting the people and the armies of God, right? And meanwhile, another story is happening. A young 16-year-old boy named David is sent by his father to go give his brother some lunch who are fighting on the front lines and he arrives one day while all of this is taking place. And when he sees this giant taunting the armies and the people of God and no one else is stepping up to the plate, imagine that. Big strong warrior, men in Israel, no one else wants to go out, but yet here's a 16 year old young man, come on Riot. Here's a 16 year old young man who sees all that's taking place and, and he's just there with some lunch. No, no, I'm not a warrior. I'm a shepherd. I write some songs occasionally, but I'm not, a, I'm not a warrior, but yet something in him said, no, 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 not God's people. You're not gonna say that against God's people. And all of a sudden the spirit of a warrior rises up inside of him. And this is where we pick up in verse 33 as David has now raised his hand to be the one to go and fight. And Saul, the king replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistines and fight because you're just a young man. And this, this guy has been a warrior from his youth, but David said to Saul, listen, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. 
And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine. Now let's just pause right there. Like David just went there. Like he just, he, he just went there. David, he's stirring it up, man. He's stirring it up, right? And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, all right, man, all right, little 16 year old David, go ahead and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened his sword over the tunic and he tried walking around. We're gonna get back to that because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with the shield bearer in front of him, he kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and he saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome and he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And all of a sudden David says, oh, we're talking trash, are we? That's how this gonna go? You wanna go ahead and start stirring up some trash? Well, 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 let me say my bit too. And then David says, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword, it is not by the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Pause right there. David understands something important right here, church. It does not matter what is standing in front of you when you know who is dwelling inside of you. It doesn't matter what giant has tried to prop itself up in your life when you know who is dwelling in you. Doesn't matter what's standing in front of you when you know who's standing beside you. Come on, you can have a boldness against your giants when you understand who's with you. David says this battle right here, this battle today, it's not gonna be by the sword, but God's gonna do the fighting and the whole earth's gonna know there's a God in Israel, right? As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. But that's not the end of the story. David ran over, stood over him, took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from its sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned around and ran, just like the scared little enemy does every single time. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout, and they pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and the gates of Ekron. If you're taking some notes just for the next few minutes before we have a chance to pray for people and minister tonight, I just want you to write this title down. Even when there's giants. Even when. Come on, just look at your neighbor and say, even when. Even when. 
Even when there's giants, we serve a victorious God named Jesus. Why don't you bow your head, let's pray real quick. So Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. God, I thank you that your word is not like any other book on our shelves at home. God, it's inspired. Lord, it is full of life. And Lord, when we take it and not just become hearers of it, but doers of it, Lord, it transforms us from the inside out. God, I pray that every revelation we find here today in 1 Samuel 17, God, whatever we need to hear, we hear. Whatever we need to receive, we receive. God, people, hundreds of people, thousands of people watching online, God, all of us, Lord, you're gonna send a great corporate word out tonight, no doubt, but God, I pray you would make it specific to the hearts of individuals. Lord, we love you and we lean in in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Cheers, whatever's in front of you. Hopefully it's water. So, um, hey, right now it's March, right? There's a lot of March Madness going on. I'm a big college basketball fan and, and, and I love watching March Madness. And, and one of the things we always see, not just in March basketball, but, but in sports, is we always see great underdog victories, right? We're seeing it right now in the month of March. Teams that maybe ought not win are winning and it's, it's providing this great underdog storyline that's kind of sweeping through this basketball tournament right now. And, you know, the thing about underdog stories is oftentimes, and maybe you've even heard commentators say this um, on television, but, but they'll use David and Goliath, even they don't, they're not even a believer, they might not even go to church, but culture knows the story, and they'll use it as, as, an, as an underdog statement. So they'll say, oh, we got these two teams matched up tonight, you know, Jim, and it's a true David and Goliath story here tonight. And, you know, and, and so everyone understands this David and Goliath narrative, and so many people peg it as this underdog victory, right? This massive underdog victory, this massive underdog moment, right? And, and, and what I believe is that there's too many Christians and, and I think there's too many of us, when we see giants approaching in our lives, it's almost like whether it's a, a giant of relationship issues, a, a giant of stress, anxiety, uh, addiction, a giant of marital problems, a giant of whatever it is, when we see it approaching, I think too many Christians, we, we hit our knees, cross our fingers, and we start begging and pleading, God, just please, if you could just please show up. But what I came to remind us tonight is this, Jesus never has been, nor will he ever be the underdog in any story or narrative of your life. See, see, what I've come to realize as I read 1 Samuel 17 is, is so, so many times we perceive David as the underdog. But how can you actually be the underdog when the King of Kings is with you? How can you actually be the underdog when our victorious King Jesus is with us? See, I don't think David was actually the underdog in the story. Perhaps culture has it all wrong, right? You see, the key to underdog implies two things. This is, this is what it means to be an underdog. Number one, that you haven't been given much of a chance in this fight. And number two, even if you elect to fight, it would be miraculous if you ever won. Listen to me, church, that's not Jesus. And when you are in Christ, that's not you either. That's not you. See, see why is it, I, I thought about this, why is it always miraculous? Why is it always a miraculous victory when the believer wins? Why, why is that how we think of it? Why, is it? why does it always have to be a miraculous event when the believer wins? Tr truthfully speaking, it would be miraculous if the enemy ever won. 
You know what I mean? Like I, I, get, I get where it comes from because our God is a miracle working God. So I get where it comes from. But, but we have to stop approaching the days of our lives saying, man, it sure would be a miracle if Jesus pulled this one out. Why isn't your faith in a place that says, of course my God's gonna provide. Of course my God is gonna supply all my needs. Of course my God's gonna heal. Of course my God's gonna do it. Of course my God's gonna supply. Like, like why isn't that what rises up inside of us? See, maybe you're not as much of an underdog as you've been thinking because the battle has been won and the victory is ours in Christ Jesus. And so what I want to do right now is I just want to walk through this. I like to just walk through the verses. We're going to pull out a few revies. We're going to pray for people. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have an opportunity to respond, right? But even when there's giants, come on, even when there's giants, our victorious champion is with us. He's fighting for us. He's strengthening us. Look at verse 34 and 35. It says this, David said to Saul, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came, carried the sheep off from the flock, went after it, struck it, rescued it, killed, killed it, all, all that kind of stuff, that's amazing. But here's what I thought about. Um, if you're David, that's frustrating, right? If you're David and you're a shepherd by vocation and there's constant lions and constant bears and wolves and whatever, like that can be real frustrating. Have you ever had frustrating moments like that? I would imagine David, he's just a real guy like you and I, I would imagine he had his moments just chucking prayers up to God saying, you know God, like I believe in you, Yahweh, I'm just, I'm just trying to do my best as a shepherd. You think you could keep the lions off my back for just a little while? Like I'm just trying to do my best out here, God, come on. I'm just, trying to, I, I'm just trying to do the best with what I got. You think you could help me a little with the bear problems? You ever felt like that walking through life? God, I'm just trying to raise my family. God, I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to be a believer. I'm just trying to take it one step at a time. I'm just trying to be a person of faith. You think you could help me out with some of these problems right here? But you see, church, watch this. The, the very thing that is frustrating you now might also be the very thing that's preparing you for later. And, and, and perhaps... Just perhaps if I could take some liberties, perhaps David, if he ever said that to the Lord, you think you could help me out with this lion problem? Do you not see this problem? Perhaps God responded and said, oh yeah, I see the lion problem and it's there because there's a giant problem coming later. See, see, past experiences are gonna help you with present challenges. Come on, what's the old saying? What doesn't kill us makes us, right, right, right? See, maybe if we get a revelation that, that, that this thing that I'm currently struggling with right now, this current giant in my life, it's not just here to, to mess with me, even though it certainly might be annoying, but maybe God is strengthening me in this because he knows there's something else on the horizon. And if I can pass this test well, if I can stay full of faith right now, then God knows I'm gonna be able to handle whatever comes in a year or two or three. See, maybe the lion and the bear are serving a purpose. Maybe the lion and the bear are serving a purpose. See, sometimes you need to be reminded of what God has pulled you out of so you can have faith for what he's leading you into. Right? God has a way of using our unique experiences to prepare us for our eventual destinies. Right? Verse 38, Saul looks at David and he, says, hey, let me dress you in my own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him, put a bronze helmet on his head. He put a sword and fastened it all up. And David, what does David say? I can't go in these. 
I can't go in these because I'm not used to them, so he took them off. Church, let me just, quick encouragement right here in verse 38 and 39. Um, you are really good at being you, and you're really bad at being other people. You're really bad at trying to be other people. I meet so many people, and, and they wanna do great stuff for God. Some people, yes, they wanna go into ministry. Others, it's like, man, I just wanna do something for God. I want my life to be meaningful. I want my life to serve a purpose in the kingdom of God. And then in the very next breath, they think they have to do it like someone else, act like someone else, walk it out like someone else. You know, And you gotta get a revelation that God wants to use you while you're just being you to do what he's called you to do. He gave you that personality for a reason. He gave you all the, the, the talents and the gifting and whatever he has apportioned to you, he gave it to you for a reason. I see so many people belittling what they have because they feel like they gotta do it like so-and-so over here and you're missing the fact that God gave it to you for a reason. I'll say it like this. What you wear affects how you walk. What you wear affects how you walk. David put all the armor on. What'd he say? I can't even walk around in this stuff. I can't even walk around in this. I'm not used to this. I can't, I can't walk around in this. See, what happens is when you live in a world of comparison and you wanna do it like the other, you, if, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be a, a dad, I gotta, I gotta do it like just like that guy or I gotta be just like that woman. And you live in a world of comparison and you try to be something you're not, you try to be somebody you're not. What ends up happening is you start walking weird. You're walking through life weird. It just doesn't look, I don't know what it is about that guy. Just something doesn't fit. Doesn't look like he feels comfortable in his own skin, but because you're trying to wear something you weren't meant to wear, right? Be something you weren't meant to be. You know who, you know who I can be? I can be the best clay beard that I know how to be. You know what, you know what will get me in trouble? Here's what will get me in trouble. I will start to walk it out really, really bad if I wake up every day trying to be a Stovall Weems. I can't be Stovall Weems. There's already a Stovall Weems. I gotta be clay beard, right? Get a revelation that God wants to use you just like you are, right? You ever been to New York City? I like New York City. It's a good place to be. Like, I don't like the subway in New York City, but I like the city. And like, there's a lot of great stuff there. Um, one of the things that you'll find in New York City on like every street corner and dark alley that you probably ought not walk down um, is that there's people selling fake stuff everywhere, right? <laughs> Just like fake wallets, James, you know I'm telling the truth, right? Just fake wallets. James grew up in New York. Uh, he wasn't one of the guys selling it out of his van, but he grew up there. So, uh, or were you? I don't, I don't know. So, um, they're selling, they're selling, they're selling designer, but fake wallets and shoes and bags and belts and what, whatever you want, man, the sky's the limit. You can find it in New York somewhere. But you know what I found out about the cheap replica version is it might look right for a little while, but it never lasts as long as the real authentic version. And if you spend so much time trying to walk around in a state of comparison, trying to be something you are not, what's gonna happen is you might look okay for a little while, but it's not gonna sustain you. If you'll just go ahead and get a revelation of who God's called you to be, where do you find that? Boy, you can find it in the Word. You can find it reading about how God's created you. You get a revelation of that. Boy, the walk's gonna start to look a whole lot better, right? That's what David knew. I can't go out here and fight giants trying to look like you, Saul. I gotta do it like God's made me to do it, right? I gotta do it like God's designed me to look. Come on, look at your neighbor and just say, work what you got. Just work what you got. That's all we can do, work what you got. Look at verse 40. I love this one, verse 40. 
Bible says, then David took his staff in his hand and he chose how many stones? Half the room has read their Bible. He, he chose how many stones? He chose five. Look, watch that. Your Bible wants you to know that David took five. What does it matter, God? He only used one. Why do we need to know he took five, right? So I studied it a little bit. Maybe you've, maybe you've come across this passage. Maybe you've studied it a little bit too, right? Some scholars say, oh, well, David took five stones because Goliath had four other brothers. So David was gonna come after them too. He's just gonna finish the family out. I don't know. All right, maybe, maybe. Some people are like, well, the reason David took five stones is because five is the number of grace, right? But I highly doubt David went down to the brook that day and he's like, I better, biblical numerology, I better take five, one. You know, I don't know that he did that either. So why five? Why five, right? Why five? Can I just tell you why I think he took five? Um, in case he missed like you would have grabbed a few too. You know what I'm saying? Like you'd have been like, that's a big old boy over there. I'm gonna grab a couple. You know what I mean? Like you don't know, you don't know. Hindsight's 2020, but in the moment, you're gonna grab a few, okay? Right, he, he, he grabbed some, right? Maybe, maybe just maybe just because he missed. And sure, we read the story. Sure, maybe it was on the first shot that he went down, but, but here's the revelation that God gave me, church, and I, I hope it really helps some people here tonight, is watch this. Sometimes the giant in your life, whatever it is, and everyone's gonna have to identify it from themselves tonight, so that's on you. I can't really do it for you. I can chuck out examples, but you're gonna have to find what it is that is trying to set itself up against the purposes of God in your life. But sometimes, watch this, sometimes the giant might not fall on the first swing. But that's okay, because I got four more coming right behind it. See, see, sometimes the healing didn't happen on the first prayer, but that's okay, because I got more prayers coming right behind it. Sometimes God didn't supply it maybe on the first time, but that's okay, I, I got more faith coming right behind it. I got more belief coming right behind it. I'm not gonna be upset. I'm not gonna start to cower in negativity and fear just because it didn't work on the first try. I got more coming right behind it. See, mat mature believers can get that. See, that's how you become a mature believer. Because when it didn't happen on Monday, that's all right, I'm gonna wake up on Tuesday and I'm gonna keep swinging. I got more prayers coming right behind it. I got more faith coming right behind it. When I was growing up, I was a, I was, you know, a little kid and, and I went to my dad and, and it kind of got that age. I think a lot of dads have this conversation with their little boys about fighting, right? Some point you're probably gonna encounter someone that's gonna pick a fight, gotta know what to do. And so, you know, my dad, I asked him, I was like, dad, what do I do if someone tries to come up and fight me? And first and foremost, he said, well, Clay, you know, we don't start fights. That's not who you wanna be. You don't wanna be a person who starts fights. So he always told me, look, we don't wanna start fights. But if someone picks a fight with you, right? Someone starts to, to, to step up to you, I give you permission to end it, okay? I'm like, dad had a lot of confidence in me. Thank you, dad. That's great. So. Right, I gave you permission to end it, but I'm young. And so I said, but dad, I don't, I don't know how to fight. Dad, what do I do? What, what is fighting, dad? What do I do in a fight? And this is the advice my dad gave me. He said, Clay, fighting's easy. Just make sure you're the last one still swinging. <laughs> Can I tell you, church, that giant isn't as big as you think it is. Just make sure you're the last one still swinging. <laughs> Every day, 
when it props itself up in front of you, today's another day, I'm just gonna keep swinging. I'm just gonna keep swinging. And when it didn't fall that day, that's all right, because the next day I'm gonna wake up again and I'm gonna keep swinging. And one of these days, that giant's gonna fall and I'm still gonna be standing in faith because I refused to stop swinging. Don't stop swinging. Don't stop swinging. It might not fall on the first try. That's okay. You keep praying. You keep believing. You keep having faith, right? If you have faith, if you keep fighting, you'll win. I love what it says in 1 Timothy 6 and 12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. You know what the Bible doesn't say? It doesn't say win. It doesn't say, hey, believer, you better win the good fight of faith. It just says fight because Jesus already won it. He already won it. And now that Jesus is the victorious victor over everything, he won it all. He just looks at us as believers. He says, just wake up every day swinging on the enemy. Just wake up every day praying and believing and swinging, right? Let's keep looking again. I, I love David. He marches down to the battlefield. He meets his giant. Isn't this amazing? When every other person sees opposition, David sees opportunity. Are you that kind of believer? Everyone else sees opposition, but you see opportunity. Now hear me right now, David wasn't in denial of the giant. It's not like he's just walking around in denial, right? I don't know if there's any psychologists in the room. It wasn't like a denial kind of thing. Um, I'm just talking about the fact that, watch this church, there's a difference between recognition and vision. I'll define it for you. Recognition is what you know, but vision is what you choose to see. Recognition's what you know, vision is what you choose to see. You see, David, he, he saw something. I, I recognize the opposition, but I choose to see an opportunity. I have vision to see the opportunity. I, I recognize the giant that is in front of me, but I choose to believe in a God that's even bigger than you. I, I recognize this that's going on in my life right now. It's very real, I can't deny it, it's a problem, it's a struggle, but I choose to believe that God has given me the victory in Jesus, that there is healing and freedom and whatever I need coming my way, right? Some people see opposition, some people see opportunity. You see, many of us in here tonight, we might recognize the giant of marriage struggles and financial hardship. You recognize the giant of disease and sickness and doubt and addiction and job stress and family drama. You recognize all of it, but I just wanna encourage you, learn how to see with eyes of faith and, and, and vision that God hasn't forgotten about you, that he's already defeated the enemy that is plaguing you. L listen, Jesus has already defeated it. Some people have this, I, 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 this just came to my head. Some people have this misconception that, that Jesus was at one time defeated and then he rose again from the grave, right? Like, oh, 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 Jesus died on the cross and then for three days he was defeated, but then he came back. He wasn't defeated for three days. He's never been defeated. You, you know what Jesus was doing during that time? The Bible says he goes down to hell. He takes the keys to hell, right? That's, that's what he does. He has the keys. Listen to me, church. The devil is so defeated, he doesn't even have the keys to his own house. That's how defeated the enemy is. Jesus holds it in his hand. God's never been defeated. Jesus has never been knocked down. The victorious king is with you right now as you face your giants. See, I'm just trying to help your, your Thursday. I'm just trying to help your Thursday tomorrow so that you stop waking up feeling like the underdog because you're not. 
You gotta start waking up feeling like that. You gotta start waking up believing God has won and I'm on the winning side. As the band gets ready to join me right now, you see this story, right? This, 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 as culture would want us to believe this underdog story, story of David and Goliath. See, perhaps it's not a true underdog story. See, let me paint the picture again. The Bible says that the Philistines are on one mountain, Israel's on the other mountain. There's a valley that separates them. It's amazing, you ever go to Jerusalem, you can see this. I mean, I, I've never been, but I, I would love to see stuff like this, right? To where you could actually stand back, you could, you could physically see it with your eyes. This, this standoff that happened for 40 days and 40 nights, and no one wanted to give up the high ground. And so the Philistines have the idea, here's what we'll do. We'll send down our best man, you send down your best man. Winner, take all, right? And so obviously they send down Goliath and Israel sends down David and people perceive with the natural eye that David is the underdog. Goliath has an armor, he has a sword, he's, he's huge, he's tall, he's, here David is, he's got a shepherd's bag, whatever that is, like a man purse, I don't know what it was. And so, <laughs> right, and got a sling and some rocks, right? Goliath has killed many men. David, yeah, a couple animals, but he's never, he's never fought in battle. He's not a warrior right now. So, oh, so David must be the underdog, but it's not as true as you would believe. You see, there's a couple things you have to know about old battle tactics. See, first and foremost, David was an expert with a slingshot. In fact, even in medieval times, when you look at medieval battles, there were these these men and they were called slingers and they would actually do the exact same thing in medieval times that David did in the Old Testament and they would load up slingshots with, with rocks and whatever they could find and sure enough that they would fight enemies that way. And Let me give you a little sports science behind what was going on. You see, when David loaded that rock and he begins to sling it around, some scholars and, and whoever's would tell us that it was probably going at about seven revolutions per second. That means by the time he releases this rock, it is moving at 100 feet per second. That is faster than any Major League Baseball pitcher you've ever seen, ever, right? In fact, expert slingers were so accurate that they could kill birds in mid-flight, right? So, so David, he is trained with this weapon. He knows what he's doing with this weapon. And then the second thing you need to know is that there's really three main types of battle. Right, there's, there's infantry, there's cavalry, and there's artillery. See, what happened is the Philistines sent down infantry, but Israel sent down artillery. See, infantry has to get their hands on you if they wanna win. It's close contact fighting. They gotta get there. If Goliath's gonna win, if the giant's gonna win, it has to get close. It has to get so close, he has to get his hands on you. But see, the thing about artillery is artillery wins when it sends something ahead of it. It, it, it sends something ahead and that's how it wins. You see, I just came to preach tonight the simple thought that the next time the giant in your life, whatever it might be, is trying to get his hands on you. Listen to me, you already have the victory because of what has gone before you in the person of Jesus Christ. You already have the victory because a few thousand years ago, Jesus died, he gave up his life, and he rose again on his own accord. And because he went before us, oh, come on. Because he was sent before us, you have the victory in Jesus' name. So the next time the enemy says, come here, let me get my hands on you. You say, no, 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 someone's already gone before me.
someone say, you, you are defeated in Jesus' name. Giant of financial struggles, you are defeated in Jesus' name. Giant that's trying to tear my marriage apart, you are defeated in Jesus' name. Giant that's trying to break up my family and mess up my kids, you are defeated in Jesus' name. Makes all the difference in the world when you know who went before you. Makes all the difference in the world. You know, I'll just end with this and we'll pray. A lot of times I look at Bible stories like this and you can't help but always wanna put yourself in the seat of the champion, right? We wanna do it all the time. So a lot of us, we look at this story and we're like, I'm David, I'm David, I feel great. David wins, I'm, I'm just like David, I'm just like David, right? And that's all right, because you know the Bible, you know, we, uh, we take the Bible and just like we've been doing tonight, man, there's things to learn and grab onto and revelation all over the place and you can take it, it ministers to your life and so I'm not belittling that, that's great stuff, we do it all the time when we preach. But if I can just be honest, you and I aren't David. <laughs> you know who we are? We're the scared Israelites hiding in the tent. <laughs> it's really who we are. You know who David is? Jesus is the greater David. Just like Jesus is the greater Adam, just like Jesus is the greater Moses as a deliverer, Jesus is the great, you see the reason David existed, he was a type and shadow of what Jesus would ultimately come to do. You see Goliath is a representation of sin and death and just as David defeated Goliath, so Jesus has defeated the final enemy as sin and death in the grave. Jesus is the greater version. Oh man, there's, there's parallels all over the place. Just as David was sent by his earthly father, so Jesus was sent by his Father in heaven to accomplish good things. You see, Jesus is the greater version. What else did I write down? I, I mean, it's, it's coming to me right now. David, man, what an unlikely champion. See, Jesus, many people didn't even recognize him for who he really was when he was here. A bit unlikely. Carpenter's son, really, really? A bit unlikely. But he's the one that defeated death, hell, and the grave. You see, church, Jesus is an excellent giant killer. And I don't know what's propped itself up in your world right now, but you're not as much of the underdog as you think. Jesus has gone before us. He's defeated the enemy. He even holds the keys to his house. Jesus is victorious. So I don't want you waking up on Thursdays, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't want you waking up anymore, crossing fingers. Man, God, if you could pull this one out, sure would be nice. Oh. Like you're not watching a March Madness game. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, if the small college could just win. Oh. Listen, that, that's the wrong way to approach all this stuff with God. I want you to start to put two feet on the ground in the morning saying the battle's already been won for this day. And even if it doesn't show up tomorrow, I'm gonna keep swinging every single day. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.